0: Hi, my name's Andy Chamberlain, and this is the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. You can find out more at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you'll also find out about the Creative Writers Toolbelt Handbook, which condenses all of the very best advice and insight from my expert guests and me in one place. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast, and it's helpful to you on your writing journey. And welcome to episode 154 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt. And this episode is a particularly joyful one for me because it gave me a chance to interview a friend of mine who has worked hard to overcome so many of the issues that we writers face. And now she has a three book publishing deal. So my guest for this episode is Joan Histon. Joan is a writer, a speaker. She's a Methodist local preacher and a spiritual director. And Joan and I met on some writer's retreats a number of years ago that we both attended in the Lake District here in England. And there's been many a time over those years when on those courses we've sat and talked about the battles that we've both been involved in in getting our writing done and getting it out there. And I think it's safe to say that both of us have a few scars from writing experiences. So I invited Joan to be a guest on my podcast, not because she's an internationally renowned author or she's about to write or has just released an international bestseller or even because she is a friend of mine, but rather because she has faced the kinds of challenges and obstacles that you, I, and so many other writers have faced with our writing. Things like the need to practice and improve on our craft and yet to do so requires time and effort and those are things that we have in only limited amounts. The challenge of trying to find the time and energy to write when you have dependents, children, elderly relatives, all kinds of other demands on your time coping with the rejection that inevitably comes to all of us writers and navigating as well the bewildering marketing choices that face writers as we try to get our work effectively presented to people. Now Joan has faced all of these challenges. She is in many ways just like any one of us and has felt the joys and frustrations of writing and when I listen to what she has to say so much of it rings true for me and I think it will ring true for you as well. And yet Joan has now published a number of books, both fiction and nonfiction, and she has a three book publishing deal. So how did she get there? How did she power through to the success that she now has? Well, I invite you to listen to this episode to find out. So, Joan, welcome to the Creative Writers Toolbelt. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. And uh, I want to start by just asking you if you can introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about the things that you've done and your, your writing career as well today.
1: Okay. Well, as well as being a a wife and a mother with three children who've flown the nest and given me five grandchildren between them, I'm also a local preacher and I speak speak at all sorts of groups and I'm a spiritual director. And I was a counsellor for a number of years and I really valued that time as a counsellor because it was wonderful being able to get into what made people tick. And I think that in itself was a great experience in helping me develop my characters and mm. see how people grew.
0: Mm. Mm. And I do want to actually, I want to pick up on that a little bit later on. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, like, as in you know, when you, where you grew up and sort of your the, the early years of your life?
1: Well, I left the northeast when I was only about five and we lived down in Croydon and Surrey for a number of years. Yeah. That, that was good. I enjoyed that. Except when I first moved down there, nobody could understand the Geordie accent. So I had to work very hard at acquiring a southern accent. And I was doing really well. I had a wonderful southern accent until I, we came back up north when I was about 10 or 12. <laughs> and, and nobody could understand the southern accent. Oh, dear. So I got bullied all over again. Oh, so, dear, yes, dear. Quite, a, quite a varied um a mix-up of uh, languages can can really knock you to pieces I think Mm. and Mm. disturb your confidence
0: now when did you first start writing then
1: I, actually, it was it was be, because I was bullied when I came back up north. I was quite lonely because nobody wanted to mix with someone who had too posh an accent for that particular area. And so I invented two friends um, called Lavinia McLaughlin and Beverly Anastana. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was wonderful how these two friends really filled a a little piece, a little part of me that was so incredibly lonely. But it was because I was able to do so much with Beverly Anastana and Lavinia McLaughlin that I discovered I had an imagination. Mm, And mm. I think that was the thing that really... Made me realise, I I, cu- I could write some of the stories that yeah, yeah. I used to get up to with my friends, and that was actually the first piece that I ever had published. The, the bullying at school. Mm. It started off as me pouring out my heart as to how horrible it was. Yeah, uh, but it ended up a, a comical piece which the <laughs> newspaper published. And I was absolutely delighted to have my first little story in print. I thought, well, this is it! I've made it! I've made it! I'm now a, <laughs> a writer." And then they forgot to pay me, didn't they? Oh
0: no! So how old were you in that when you had that published?
1: <laughs> well, that, I was about thirty, I think. I was about okay. thirty when oh, that. okay,
0: happened. fine. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And they forgot. So all these years, they haven't they haven't paid you.
1: Well, no, I had the nerve to ring up and say, "Please could you pay me?" <laughs>
0: So how how did your writing career develop after that?
1: Well, it began with a number of short stories mm. that, that I got published in a magazine. And I thought I was on a real roll with that one mm. because the editors seemed to, it was yours magazine, they really seemed to like my work. Mm. And I thought, gosh, I've made it. I've, I'm really <laughs> a really proper writer. And then they changed editors, didn't they? And this new editor didn't seem to like my stuff quite oh, as no. much. So I didn't get anything published after that. But it was the books that really drew me into writing. And uh, when I was asked by one of the clients that um, I'd been counselling if I would write his story, I decided that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to be a ghostwriter. Yeah, yeah. And and a ghost writer does mean you're writing someone else's story because I like to emphasise that because someone thought it was rather strange that I would write ghost stories.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's, it's nothing to do with ghost stories in that sense, Absolutely is it? Absolutely not. So did you actually write that story for this guy?
1: I did. That that was the first book I had yeah. published. Uh, that I will be done eventually, a humorous book about um, a Methodist minister who goes through the army, but he's the most unlikely minister you've ever come across. <laughs> and the second book was as um, I wrote as a ghostwriter was uh, Tears in the Dark, and that's a completely different story altogether Mm. of a young boy who goes through foster homes and um, children's homes and runs away and has ends up in a psychiatric hospital it's a very dramatic story Mm. and it does have a very happy ending
0: okay what happened next where did you go from there
1: Well, it's quite hard work being a ghostwriter. Yeah, it is. um, And listening, (laughs) as you know, and listening to someone's dramatic story. I Mm. enjoyed doing it, and it was Mm. a privilege to do it. Mm. Um, But there comes a time when you think, I'd really like to write something of of my own. I was asked if I would write a book called The Shop on Pilgrim Street, Mm. and that. Is a story of a, a deeply moving story of a small Christian bookshop in the centre of Newcastle mm. uh, that opened up in 1864 and how it kept going through the war years and it only closed about three years ago. Mm. So it's 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 a, a good story and I really enjoyed writing that and with it being local, of course, they asked if I would speak on the radio mm. for mm. that. So that mm. that was I enjoyed doing that one mm. and of course then I decided now I really want to write something that appeals to me in the way of my own novel rather than being asked to write something.
0: So you're talking more about fiction, are you now, your own own story? Well,
1: my latest, my debut novel, The Senator's Assignment, is Mm. the first in a trilogy of Roman historical thrillers that, that the publishers wanted. And the first one was launched in October last year, And the sequel, The Sense's Darkest Days, is to be released in March this coming year. Okay. And book three, the the first draft, well, put it this way, it's done, but it needs work. Lots and lots of work. (laughs) And there's great big flaws and the plot needs checking on as does the research.
0: (laughs) Okay. Now, you've got to deal with the publisher to to create these books. But um, I want to explore a little bit with you the kind of challenges that you've been through, to get to this point. Perhaps you could just summarise the stage you're at now though for us and what you're expecting or hoping for from next year. That so that would be twenty twenty.
1: Okay. As I say, I put the the last of the, the Roman books in a drawer because I I just lost patience with it, and I decided I would focus on something else. And what came to mind was a, a book that I've written called The Blue House on the Corner. That's what I'm working on at the moment. Okay. And it's a mildly humorous book, but very uplifting, about a. a A grieving lady who, throwing up a well-paid career as a dentist, Mm. buys a large, derelict old house with a view to turning it into a hotel. Okay. The only problem is she discovers six scruffy vagrants have taken up residence in her kitchen. (laughs) And reluctant to throw them out so close to Christmas and in such icy weather, she agrees to keep them on till New Year if they clear the house for her. Okay. And this is their story. And how they end up, how they ha- had ended up on the street, right, and right. the problem of renovating an old house, and so th- that's the, the project I've been working on. Mm. But what I hope for in this coming year is th- th- to pluck up the courage to open up that drawer and face the mess I've created in oh, the face okay. of my yes. trilogy. Yes. <laughs> that's going to take real courage.
0: So that um, at some point um, you've got to face that that third book in your trilogy and do some work on it.
1: I have, I have, yes. Now,
0: I want to talk to you about some of the frustrations that you've faced in your writing journey. And I think you perhaps just hinted at some of these. And I want to explore that in different in different ways so like the technical challenges challenges in your life and maybe marketing and getting noticed so let's start with the technical challenges so what have you done to improve your writing skills and the quality of of what you produce
1: I decided that one of the first things I needed to do was join a book club Mm. And I joined a lovely little group, a very intellectual group, I must say, that read all the right books. And bless them, they widened my reading matter no end, even though some of the books I could hardly understand they were intellectual. But I stuck with it, mm. and they led me towards aut- authors with real skills. Mm. Mm. But I found j- just listening to them, and they knew so much, was really helpful. Mm. Um, and then I, because it's many years since I studied English, I decided that I would buy some straightforward English books, and some of them were hard-going as well, <laughs> but books like Eat, Shoots and Leaves by uh, Truss.
0: Oh, yes, yeah.
1: That's the book that taught me where I had to stick my commas and start new paragraphs. <laughs> and it's amazing, you've got to learn these things all over again. <laughs> and then I attended a writing course, as you know, Andrew.
0: Yeah, sure. And yeah.
1: terrifying though that was in having to read something that I'd written out loud, I stuck with it. Mm, and mm. it was amazing how my confidence grew as mm. positive comments began to come in.
0: Yes, yeah, I was just going to say, we should perhaps take a moment to note that if you're going to go to a writing group, that's a really great thing to do. But you can't underestimate the terror of having to read out some of your own stuff to a group of other other group of people, some, you know, whom you may not know at all. It It's it's it kind of takes a little bit of courage, doesn't it, to actually say, OK, I'm going to read my stuff out to you now.
1: It does, because you most writers don't have the confidence that their stuff is mm. good enough. At mm. least that that was my feeling, that uh, everyone else appeared to be far more knowledgeable than yeah. I was. And to have to read something out loud was absolutely terrifying. Um, in fact, a few times I just shied clear from doing that yeah. or something that I'd worked on Weeks before, just to give me the confidence that somebody would say... Yeah, that's pretty good. And, and they did. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I noticed a lot of people shied away from doing that. So I wasn't the only one.
0: No, no. But, no, but I'm it's
1: amazing old. once you start doing it and realising that you do have a skill. And even though this skill needs to be worked on and improved, people do recognise that skill in you. And most writers are so very, very kind And Mm. encouraging To help people along the way And that was my experience And that's one of the things That really helped me Move on in my writing
0: So obviously we we don't As writers we don't live in isolation We have challenges in our lives family time pressures yes. whatever else are there things that you're happy to talk about in your life have made it more difficult for you to write or have been a challenge in terms of just trying to find time to write sometimes
1: i think in the early days that was the greatest challenge uh, with having three children at home and a poorly mm. mother and mm. to visit and a poorly mother-in-law to see to. Just snatching the odd ha- hour here or there was like gold. And it was so frustrating. And I think it was because of those frustrations that I realized writing was my passion That's Mm. what I really wanted Mm. to do. I just had to live through the frustrations and grab time when I could. Uh, Today, the challenge is balancing speaking engagements with writing. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I've asked myself, is this worth it? But there's always one question that answers that for me. And that is, what else would I do if I wasn't writing? And it's simply because I love writing Mm. that I stick with it now. The joy... Of writing for me is sitting mm, in a little mm. study with a big window. Uh, it's only a tiny study, but my window overlooks the trees and the fields of the Tyne Valley. Yeah, and I really feel I can bring my characters to life as they face the challenges before them. One of the challenges is actually not getting too depressed when the publishers <laughs> don't get my marvellous masterpiece that I sent them. <laughs>
0: you mean in terms of they don't understand what you're trying to do with it or
1: absolutely yeah. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so I want to kind of explore this a little bit more it, it sounds as if it's that deep passion for writing inside you that's kept you moving along that's kept you at it but there must have been times when you felt really frustrated or or it's been really difficult I mean do you, can you tell us a little bit about what those times are like and, and why you've still carried on anyway
1: I think some of the difficulties for me has been the technical difficulties, Mm. just getting onto Skype with you. (laughs) (laughs) We got there in the end. That was was very hard work. (laughs) For me, it's like facing a marathon when you've never run before. Mm. And I don't know what I'm doing half the time. And I was advised to start a web page and write blogs and that's great advice but the difficulty comes when you don't even know how to get onto your own web page let alone how to write something on it but that, that's when you need to call on other people who have mm. these expertise mm. for help mm. and, and ask for help and not be afraid to ask for help, recognizing that you may be adept at, adept at writing, but there are certain skills that you don't have. And for me, it is technology. And I'm just more than grateful for my 15 year old grandson, Tom. <laughs> Who knows all there is to know about computers and websites. And another lady who belongs to the Association of Christian Writers Group. And and she helps put me right as well. And both these people have been invaluable to me.
0: So it sounds as if you've relied on friends or family a little bit just to kind of keep at it or to, to, to sort of cover some of the things that you're maybe not so good at.
1: I have, yes, okay. yes. And the other thing that I do is I only spend a set amount of time on technology every day, otherwise I'm tearing my hair out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I have to limit myself to that because I recognise the frustrations of doing that before I switch off the technology and then sit down and do what I like doing best, yeah. which is writing. Okay.
0: Now, the other challenge that I think a lot of writers have is around getting the marketing right and getting noticed and even even getting some kind of acceptance from, from publishers. I mean, did you have that problem and how how did you tackle it?
1: Well, usually by down bursting into tears when a rejection slip came through the door. <laughs> okay. um, it, it is disheartening when you get a rejection slip, but mm. then all writers have that. Mm. And you simply have to just keep on writing and keep on doing it. I... Like you, when I attended the writers' group, I found that having editors and experienced writers to critique my work and teach me the finer arts of writing was really, really helpful. And mm, mm. uh, they understood the difficulties and frustrations of working alone and getting something published. And they were able to help me get through some of the hardships of of preparing and sending off a good manuscript mm, that mm. an editor would like the look of mm. it, just information like make sure your first five pages are well written no mistakes Yes, and that is something that will draw the editor into reading the rest of the book
0: you're now in a position where after all the kind of ups and downs of this you've got a, a three book deal from a publisher so what did you do to get to, or what sort of things do you think you did that meant you got a success when you first approached that publisher with that project?
1: Well, it was at the writers group, actually. I'd um, I, i, I I'd, I'd written this book, this the first of the Roman books, and right. I'd written it quite a few years ago and mm. I'd worked on it and worked on it and... Mm. One editor had accepted it and then turned it down at the last minute. Um, Another editor had accepted it and then they went bust. (laughs) Uh, And so I was going through um, a really time of despair. And I remember one particular day on the three-course day in November that we took at the Writers' Mm, Group, Andrew, mm. and I remember arriving at that lovely old house we stayed in Mm. And uh, you were poured over a hot stove, frantically preparing a massive pan of soup for the, full, for the <laughs> evening meal. Yes. And at the time, I, as I say, I was going through such a low spot in my mm. writing. Mm. I felt such a failure that no one wanted my work. And I'd, here I'd written three books and no one wanted any of them. And I needed to offload my frustrations and you standing in the kitchen were it. <laughs> 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 and so the soup was left to bubble joyfully away while we stood in the kitchen and I whinged. Uh, not that I'm a moaner by nature, but sometimes you just have to get it all out of your system, don't yes, you? Yes. Yeah. And you need to offload onto another writer, someone who would understand the yes. struggles yes. that you're going through. And so thank you for allowing the soup to burn, by the way, <laughs> just for me. And, and actually, it didn't taste too bad at the end. No, I was, no, no, was there. <laughs> um, but it, 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 just being encouraged to keep going. Just I remember you said to me, you've just got to keep going. If you want to write, you've just got to keep going. Yeah. And that was all you said. But it struck me, he's right. It doesn't matter how much I moan and how much I go through. At the end of the day, my joy in sitting down and spending hours writing far outweighs the difficulties that I have to go through in all these little bits and pieces of rejection slips or Mm. whatever. And so I looked at the book again when I left the writer's course and about three, four months after that, the doors began to open with these publishers, uh, John Hunt Publishing. And they were really keen to look at the book. They accepted it straight away. They asked for a, a trilogy. And so it began. Mm. So, yeah, that was wonderful.
0: So it Sorry. sounds like a mixture of a bit of encouragement from other people and some perseverance. On Oh, yes. On it's got your... to
1: be both, I think, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about any other personal disciplines or habits that you have with your writing that have helped you just to keep going as well, particularly when things have been difficult.
1: Well, yes, I think this this last book uh, the, 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 that I wrote, the, the Blue House on the Corner, the one with the lady who goes into the, buys the old house and finds the six tramps. Yes. Now, I really enjoyed writing that book and I sent it off a few weeks ago to the editor to the same publisher and I got excellent reviews from the people that read it, but the comment and I thought, oh great, they're going to accept it, but then came the comment, it needs a lot of editing, and I was devastated because I'd worked so hard on getting it right, I really had, I'd spent hours just making sure every comma was in the right place, but then she pointed out two mistakes the first one, I think was in the first of the five pages that I've mentioned. I'd written, I, I'd written, his feet slushed through the snow, the hole in his train is soaking his socks. One hole, two socks. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the other one that I made a mistake on, he thrust his hands in his pockets, his frozen fingers wrapping themselves around the coins in his pockets. Too many pockets. Too many pockets. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to go through it again, and it, it's times like that that is so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. That and you've just got to get on with it. You know, this it's part of a writing career, and I think it's part of any job. Because no matter how much you like any job, there are always going to be moments when you think, what am I doing this for? <laughs> there are always going to be those frustrations. But if you are doing what you really enjoy, something that you are really passionate about, something that you know you have a gift for. But obviously, like all gifts, it needs to be worked on mm, and owned mm, and improved. Mm. If you're doing that, then you. You just got to
0: get on with it. No, fair enough, and and you're right. It, it, there is no other way of doing it, is there? Really, it, that you just have to kind of graft away at it. And and if you have that passion for it, as you've mentioned, then then you keep going. But it does help to have people around you that you can sound off about it. To yes. and Again, now I want to pick up on something that you mentioned earlier on, and that was just talking about um, the backstory for, for for characters. And I know this is this is actually quite important for you but it sounds as if some of the experiences that you've had in life have have been a real source or real help to you in creating realistic backstory for your characters do you want to tell us a little bit about that
1: yes I think like all writers I'm an introvert by nature but not so much of an introvert that I didn't want to work with people who were going through difficulties. So that was one of the reasons I took up counselling, mm. and mm. and actually the the other reason was see coming across so many people who had difficulties. So for fourteen years I worked mainly with well many cases, but a lot of abuse cases. Right. And what always struck me was the guts so many people had in going through difficult times in life, and yet being able to come out the other end stronger. The guts they had in being able to talk about their difficulties because they wanted to be healed. Mm. And mm. I thought that was one particular area that really drew me to, to people. And it, as I began to write my books, all of my characters... Have flaws in them, simply because there's no such thing as a tall, dark, handsome stranger riding on a white stallion <laughs> who's completely <laughs> flawless. So that was one of the one of the issues I liked with my Roman books. That my senator, Vivius, although in appearance is a very strong character, has this massive flaw. Has a backstory mm. that affects his judgment in the assignment that he has been given. And the the, the, the publishers really liked this particular area that I was delving into. And uh, it was good to get a few reviews that, meant, that actually mentioned this. I think yes.
0: you're right in that that does actually connect to the fact that we readers don't really believe in perfect characters and they're not that interesting actually it's the characters who are no. flawed or complicated or struggling with some you know internal demon or something's happening yes. those are the characters that are more interesting I think aren't they
1: yes they are absolutely yes because people can identify with mm. them mm. in one way or another
0: yeah so if you were giving some key advice to to writers and particularly writers who at the moment are really struggling perhaps because they just can't get their work done or they just can't get any traction. Nobody seems to be interested, or it's just all of those sort of familiar barriers. What mm. What are the bits of advice that you would give to all of those writers that are struggling with these things?
1: This that story of the talents in the Bible, and the great thing about that story is, it doesn't matter what faith, if any, that you have. It's a good, solid piece of advice. Mm. And it's a story of the boss goes off on a trip and gives three of his servants some seed and tells them to use them wisely. And two of them do. But the third one simply buries his. And the boss is none too pleased when he returns. And the moral for me is use what God has given you. I remember Eric little, uh, the runner, said, mm. God made me fast. So I run. And mm. so I always say, well, God has made me a storyteller. So I tell stories, whether it's as a speaker or as a writer. And so that's what I I keep telling myself. Mm. Um, And also, uh, the other thing is I've lived through the frustrations of not having time to write, of having to try to make time to write. And I recognise that my happiest moments are curled up in my chair, uh, just (laughs) looking over the fields and then delving into my book. And eventually, just coming out of this book that I've been in and this other world that I've been in, and I, I I just love it so I I recognize that I have to write and if writing is something that you're passionate about, you have to do it. otherwise, the day's going to come when you'll wish you'd followed your dream yeah. and given it a go. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is it does work out eventually I had three books written, and it seemed as though nobody wanted them. And I can tell you how much, how how often I felt an absolute failure. Oh, I'm no good. Nobody wants my worth. <laughs> you know, people are just being kind. Yeah, and yeah. You know. yeah. And I had to go through all that. But now they're published, and I'm getting reviews that are beyond my wildest dreams, you know, four and five stars. And... So I think I am so glad that I stuck with it. And that's what I would say to anyone who is struggling like I've had to struggle. I would say, keep, keep going, keep going, because you will eventually find the right publisher for you, mm. the right group of people who will encourage you. Um, but work to improve your craft. Yeah. all the time that is so important it's your life's work improving on it and you will get there eventually
0: and it sounds as if what's really important is identifying in your own mind and your own kind of heart that you are a writer believing in yourself as a writer and 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 clutching onto that and holding on to it even when things are difficult or even when it seems like the world isn't recognizing that you're a writer Yes.
1: Do you know, I found that the most difficult things to be able to say out loud, I am an author. I I used Mm. to find that the words would just stick in my throat Mm. because it sounded so grand when I hadn't had anything anything published, you know. (laughs) I I felt as though I was blowing my own trumpet and who was I to do that when, when you could barely see the things I had published. But I had a good friend, Sue, who worked at this with me and eventually I had, as you say I had to see myself as the person God had created, the writer the mm, storyteller, mm. that is who I am and once I began to see that it's amazing how that enables you to grow in confidence despite the odd times that, that you have the failures yeah, despite yeah. the rejection slips that pop through the door
0: so, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a it feels like there's three or four things that are coming together from this. So the things around claiming for yourself the truth that you're a writer, you know, holding on to that, um, yes. having having persistence in. So you just keep going at it. Yes. Having the right people around you to give you encouragement at the right time uh, and to, you know, and to maybe just somebody to sound off to. Yes, absolutely. Um, And and perhaps just as well as being persistent, just keeping on with how do I improve technically? How do I pick up the skills that I need? All of that kind of stuff and juggling all of that sort of thing together.
1: Yes. So one of the difficulties, well, yet another difficulty I'm going through (laughs) is is the marketing. I am really, really struggling with the marketing. And I'm actually following Wendy Jones's book, Power Packed book marketing, yes. which I'm um, following line by line and I'm finding it really, really, really helpful. I couldn't recommend it more highly to anyone else who is struggling with the marketing because these days this is something authors have to do. The publishers don't do it all for I mean, they do an awful lot, but they don't do it all for you. My current publishers, John Hunt, ascended abroad and... One of the the first of the trilogy books, The Senator's Assignment, is doing quite well in North America for some strange reason, but other places you have to work at the marketing yourself, and this is where I I, I need help again. Mm, um, mm. Yes.
0: What was that the name of that book again that you you recommended? That's
1: Wendy Jones's book, Power Packed Book Marketing.
0: Okay. Yes. Because I think it's true to say that actually, as a I mean, I feel as a writer. I'm I'm not expecting anybody else to sell my book, in a way. I mean, if they do, that's great. If you've got a publisher, that's great. But actually, you really have to take an awful lot of responsibility yourself for those things now, don't you?
1: You do, absolutely. Mm. Yes, yeah. I mean, I'm in the very fortunate position of of having a husband who decided he would take up cooking as a hobby when he retired. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a really good long afternoons writing most afternoons now and don't have to worry about food i just have to wait until i hear clatters and bangs in the kitchen fantastic and then he and, makes your tea um, for you and then he, there's there's my dinner ready excellent and <laughs> uh, we won't we won't mention all the pans that i have to wash up afterwards well, but well, it's wonderful yes it's wonderful
0: so as as we come towards the end of this Are there any final words of encouragement or advice that you want to give to people who are listening to this?
1: I think all I can say to you is if you have that passion for writing, go with it, because Mm. I would hate you to reach the stage one day later on in life where you turn around and say oh I wish I'd just stuck with that a little bit longer life's too short mm. for regrets mm. and if that passion mm. is in you just follow that that passion mm. for writing and where would we be if we didn't follow that passion that we have mm. in, in writing and storytelling mm.
0: and but we should expect that to be hard though shouldn't we I suppose we should expect it to be difficult sometimes and shouldn't be surprised if it's It's hard work because there's other pressures in life or technical difficulties or whatever it is.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. But it's part of the course, isn't it? It's part of the course. I think if anybody has this wonderful idea that a writer just sits down, writes this masterpiece (laughs) in the quietness of their own place, and then a publisher just says, Oh, yeah, we love it. We'll take it on board. We'll sell thousands. Well, you know, in their dreams, really.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: It just it doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that, does it? It doesn't work like that at all.
0: So, just finally, then, can you tell us again a little bit about? Uh, your books and how people can find them and find out more about you.
1: Well, my first two books, Thy Will Be Done Eventually, and Tears in the Dark, that I wrote as a ghostwriter, they can be found on on Amazon. Actually, they all can. My debut novel, The Senator's Assignment, which, as I said before, is doing quite well in North America, is a historical novel based on fact with handfuls of fiction thrown in. (laughs) And it's the story of a Roman senator who sent to Jerusalem by the Emperor Tiberius Uh, This takes place a year after the crucifixion,
0: Mm, to investigate
1: mm. Pontius Pilate. Okay. I always did wonder what had happened to him, and the Bible doesn't tell us. (laughs) But after extensive research, I do (laughs) know what's happened to him. And after all the hard work and the doubts with not being a historian and being really worried in case someone would far knowledgeable than me would come up and say, Oh, you've got it all wrong. I was absolutely delighted to get so many reviews saying uh, how it was well researched. And the sequel, The Center's Darkest Days, is to be released this coming March in okay. twenty twenty. Yep. And my web page is Joan Histon Author.
0: So that's is that Joan or Uh no joke,
1: Joan Histon author you you it'll just come up on oh okay
0: fine i guess people can just search them anyway and you'll be getting back to that third novel at some point (laughs) Uh,
1: uh, well yes i I, that's that's on the new year's resolution okay list um but yes i will i will do because um yes i think it's uh, i'm getting uh, the second one's not out but i have had a few They've given me some copies to sell, and I've had some really good responses from this second of the trilogy. So um I must get round to doing the third, which your your, is, cu- your
0: <laughs> avid readers will want will want more, won't they? They'll be they'll be all ready I for that third so. one.
1: <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. Yes.
0: Great. Okay. Well, Joan, thank you very much for your time. It's been a real pleasure to uh, have a chance to talk to you and to hear about a, a, a real author, really kind of meeting the struggles head on and fighting through. And now you've got a book deal and you're you're off and away, and it's great.
1: It's great. Yes. Thank you very much, Andrew. Okay. Okay. Bye for now. Then. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Creative Writers Tool Belt podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or me, just go to my website. It's andrewjchamberlain.com.